Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. AINC programming is brought to you in part by Weissman Family Dental in Boulder, Colorado. For over 25 years, Weissman Family Dental has been providing high-quality dentistry. They offer regular checkups, emergency care, and a wide range of specialty services. They also have staff that speak Spanish. If you are looking for a new dentist, find them at WeissmanFamilyDental.com or call them at 303-494-0101 and tell them Audio Information Network of Colorado sent you. Thank you for joining us for the Thursday, August 3rd, 2023 reading of the Boulder Weekly. My name is Eric Levine. News. Pack it up. CU Athletics continues building momentum with conference change by Will Matuska, August 3, 2023. The University of Colorado has found its seat in the current game of musical chairs between colleges and conferences in the NCAA. After 13 years in the Pacific 12 Conference, Pac-12, and hot off the heels of hiring fan-favorite coach Dayon Primetime Sanders, the school announced on July 27 it will transition back to the Big 12. Quote, This is a great win for the University of Colorado, unquote, CU Athletic Director Rick George said at a press conference. It's not a dramatic breakup. Rather, a move CU administrators say will bring more stability and recognition to both athletics and the entire school. The Buffs will finish the upcoming 2023-24 season in the Pac-12 and make the transition at the beginning of the 2024-25 school year. Jesse Mahoney, head volleyball coach, says the Pac-12 has been a great home for the volleyball program, but the Big 12 will keep the program moving in a positive direction. Quote, I'm excited to see what the Big 12 holds, Mahoney says. It's a Power 5 conference with a lot of storied traditions in their sports. We're going to go in and look to compete right away, and we'll play whoever is on the other side of the net. Unquote. The decision, made unanimously by the CU Board of Regents, comes at a time when universities across the nation are engaging in, quote, conference realignment, unquote, as sports experts are calling it. Hallmark schools with rich athletic traditions like UCLA, University of Texas, UT, University of Oklahoma, OU, and University of Southern California, USC, will all join new conferences by 2024. Conference hopping is normal for college athletic programs. Admins at CU Boulder say rejoining the Big 12, which the university withdrew from in 2011, will bring more money to the program and expand the school's reach to new areas of the country. Quote, 
After careful thought and consideration, it was determined that a switch in conference would give CU Boulder the stability, resources, and exposure necessary for long-term future success in a college athletics environment that is constantly evolving, unquote, said Chancellor Philip DiStefano and Athletic Director George in a joint statement, quote, The Big 12's national reach across three time zones, as well as our shared creative vision for the future, we feel makes it an excellent fit for CU Boulder, our students, faculty, and alumni, unquote. Money is a significant factor. Last fall, the Big 12 secured a $2.3 billion media rights deal with Fox and ESPN through the 2030-31 athletic season. Teams in the conference, including Colorado, when the realignment is finalized, will earn nearly $32 million annually from the networks as part of the deal. That also means more airtime for the buffs. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 has has not secured a media deal past 2024. Student-athletes also stand to gain financially. More exposure can mean more money in the hands of collegiate athletes now that the NCAA allows compensation for an athlete's name, image, and likeness, NIL. But George said the decision is about more than money. Aligning with the Big 12 will be good for student-athletes in numerous ways. Quote, We've done our analysis, and they'll be traveling less in the Big 12, playing in more favorable time slots where we believe they can get greater national exposure and return to Boulder after away games at earlier times, unquote, he said at the press conference. CU isn't the only school leaving the Pac-12. Last summer, UCLA and USC announced they will shift to the Big Ten in 2024. Both schools were in the Pac-12 for nearly a century. In response to UT and OU leaving the Big 12 next year, the association added four new members this year, Brigham Young University, University of Cincinnati, University of Houston, and the University of Central Florida. When CU joins next year, the Big 12 will have 13 members. Critics of the conference realignment frenzy say it dismantles college rivalries, a reality Buff fans know well after CU and Nebraska a rivalry dating back to 1898, split from the Big 12 in 2011. The rivalry between OU and Oklahoma State is another example. Quote, It's all about money, unquote, said Michael Vailey, professor of sports management at Syracuse University, in an interview with Fortune. Quote, The student-athletes and the fan bases are the victims of this takeover, there's no regional sensibility anymore, unquote. Danny Sanchez, head soccer coach at CU, says while the Pac-12 is at the, quote, pinnacle, unquote, of women's soccer at the Division I level, he's excited to shift to the Big 12, what he calls a, quote, great soccer conference, unquote. Quote, 
As the landscape changes and we can see everything that's going on with the conferences, the administration made a great decision to go to the Big 12." Unquote. News, Now You Know, August 3rd, 2023, by Will Matuska. Boulder Roots in the 2023 Colorado Snow Sports Hall of Fame class. Each year, five Coloradans are inducted into the Colorado Snow Sports Museum Hall of Fame for their contributions to the winter sports industry in the Centennial State. This year's athletes, including two who have called Boulder home, will be honored on August 27 at the Gerald R. Ford Amphitheater in Vail. Quote, Every class of inductees is different, and this year we celebrate individuals who have dedicated their lives to educating, inspiring, and preserving snow sports in Colorado, unquote, said Jennifer Mason, Executive Director of the Colorado Snow Sports Museum and Hall of Fame, in a press release. Quote, Each person represents a unique area of Colorado, and illustrates the fact that Colorado as a whole leads the way in snow sports, unquote. Inductee Seth Masia received his master's degree from CU Boulder and raised a family in town. He was a key editor and writer for Ski Magazine starting in the 70s and served as president of the International Skiing History Association. Quote, it's gratifying to know that people enjoyed reading my stuff over the 50 years that I've been doing this, he says. Journalists don't often get a lot of direct positive feedback, unquote. Some of Masia's recent writing looks at the turning point of alpine skiing in 1928, when two innovations, steel-edged skis and locked-down heels, quote, completely changed the sport, unquote doubling downhill speeds and launching skiing into the global arena at the 1936 Olympics in Germany. Throughout his career, Masia got to witness more recent snow sports history in real time. Quote, the first snowboard Jake Burton gave me was just a blank piece of plywood with an interesting shape to it, but it didn't have steel edges and it didn't have a plastic bottom, unquote, Masia says. Quote, it didn't turn very well and it was useless on hard snow because it didn't have steel edges. It wasn't until Jake adopted some real ski technology that snowboards became practical and usable, unquote. Burton went on to create one of the premier snowboarding brands in the world. Joining the 2023 class with Masia is the late Sandy Hildner, who died of cancer in 2019. Hildner trained with the CU Boulder men's ski team before there was a woman's team. Her accomplishments include winning the U.S. National Slalom Championship in 1963 at age 18 winning Aspen's 1967 Roach Cup, and becoming the first woman Olympian from CU Boulder. Quote, Sandy Hildner's legacy is amazing as she made a lifelong commitment to our sport and was clearly a difference maker, unquote, 
said Olympian and former U.S. ski team president Bill Merolt in a press release. Quote, I wholeheartedly support her nomination and induction into the Colorado Snow Sports Hall of Fame. Unquote. Nominations are made by a 140-member panel composed of current Hall of Fame members, snow sports industry representatives, winter resorts, and the Hall's board of directors. More than 200 people have been inducted into the Snow Sports Hall of Fame since 1977. Other inductees this year are Cheryl Jensen, founder of the Vail Veterans Program, John Norton, an employee at ski resorts in Crested Butte and Aspen, and Hillary Nelson, one of the most accomplished ski mountaineers and alpinists in the world, who died skiing a Nepalese mountain in 2022. Changes to RTD fares. RTD is lowering the cost of riding across the district. The company's board of directors approved new fare structures, policies, and programs on July 25 after a year-long review that included an equity analysis and a system-wide fare study. Quote, RTD is removing barriers to transit access and reconciling long-standing concerns from customers and the community regarding the high cost and complexity of fares currently in place, unquote, said Deborah Johnson, RTD CEO, in a press release. Approved changes include lowering fares for three-hour, day-long, and monthly passes, expanding the live program's income eligibility, and creating a zero-fare-for-youth year-long pilot program, allowing people ages 19 and under to ride for free. Fares continue to be free through August as part of the Zero Fare for Better Air initiative. Nominations open for Jim Swaby Peace Award. The Boulder Rotary Club is seeking nominations for the fifth annual Jim Swaby Peace Award. The award commemorates Swaby and his involvement with community organizations like the Rotary Club, Historic Boulder, and the Boulder Museum of History. The recipient must be an individual who lives or works in Boulder County, is making a significant contribution to building a culture of peace, and exemplifies the life of Jim Swaby and the Rotary's commitment to peace. Swaby grew up in Boulder and attended CU for both his bachelor's and master's degrees. Soon after, he traveled to the Kingdom of Tonga as a Peace Corps volunteer. Nine months into his service, he was the first Peace Corps volunteer drafted into Vietnam. His life's mission was to, quote, do an unexpected act of kindness or generosity for someone less privileged, unquote, according to the Rotary Club. The deadline for nominations is August 25. Entertainment Screen Chasing Inclusion Denver's only LGBTQ film festival returns by Michael J. Casey, August 3, 2023. From August 10 to 13, the Cinema Q Film Festival 
Denver's only LGBTQ movie event, returns to the C Film Center for four days of screenings, discussion panels, drag parties, and special guests. If you felt that this has been a rather bland and rote summer at the Cineplex, then, reader, you are in for a treat. Some titles to note. Bottoms, 7 p.m. August 10, reteams Shiva Baby actor Rachel Sanat and director Emma Seligman for another round of cringe comedy. The incomparable Udo Kier pays Denver a visit with two restorations from the Warhol factory, Flesh for Frankenstein and Blood for Dracula, plus a conversation with Kier and Scream Screen programmer and host Teresa Mercado, 6 p.m. August 12. And writer-director star Julio Torres closes out Cinema Q with Problemista, his surrealistic debut feature co-starring Tilda Swinton, 5 p.m. August 13. All are worth your time. Just make sure you clear your schedule for Chasing Chasing Amy, 2.30 p.m. August 13. For those who don't recognize the title within the title, Chasing Amy is a queer rom-com written and directed by Kevin Smith about a straight guy, Ben Affleck, falling for a gay gal, Joey Lauren Adams. Released by Miramax in 1997 to a fair amount of commercial and critical success, Chasing Amy quickly became a cult classic for the indie crowd, but has since been dismissed as, quote, problematic, unquote, partly because of Smith's perspective as a straight cisgender man and partly because of the depictions of queerness on screen. Not that any of that mattered to 12-year-old Sav Rogers, not yet out, Chasing Amy was literally a life-saving discovery for the filmmaker. At one point, Rogers watched Amy once a day, every day, for an entire month. As one of the film's interviewees says, quote, Problematic can still be significant in your development, unquote. That makes Chasing Chasing Amy a fascinating work of film criticism and personal discovery. Rogers' infatuation with Amy, with Smith, with the actors, even with the film's New Jersey locations, runs so deep you know some reconciliation with Chasing Amy is in order if Rogers is going to move beyond this obsession. And for that, the filmmaker weaves a second story into the documentary, one of becoming, that could not be if Amy did not exist. Quote, it's not the movie I set out to make, Rogers admits in the final moments, but it's the movie we have, unquote. There's a lot to unpack in Chasing Chasing Amy, particularly the Adams interview, which provides a very different perspective than Rogers expected, but those discoveries are best left to the documentary. Rogers will be on hand following Cinema Q's screening for a Q&A, which is bound to be as lively, funny, and personal as the movie. On screen, 2023 Cinema Q Film Festival, August 10 through 13 at the Denver Film Center, 2510 East Colfax Avenue in Denver. <laughs>
You can get more information online at denverfilm.org. Entertainment Books Hot Links Why Rachel King Set Her Award-Winning Story Collection in a Boulder County Sausage Factory by Bart Shaneman, August 3, 2023. Short story collections with a shared narrative thread are having a moment in the Colorado literary world, with Rachel King's Bratwurst Haven winning the 2023 Colorado Book Award in the Literary Fiction category this summer. That makes two in a row for linked collections. Her recent win follows Wendy J. Fox's What If We Were Somewhere Else, which took home the same award last year. Quote, as a reader, it's nice to read something where the story stands alone and you can set down the book, King says, but then you can come back to the same world, which is something people really like about novels. It has the best of both worlds, unquote. King's book follows a string of characters connected to a sausage factory set in a fictional Boulder County town. Most of them are down on their luck and operating in tough circumstances, but that's not to say the stories don't have an uplifting quality. King lived in Colorado from 2012 to 2016, working for Perseus Books Group in Boulder and living in Lafayette and Louisville. Her boyfriend, now husband, had worked in sausage factories and would come home and talk about his job. That's how King started setting her stories in that world. The author soon began to broaden the scope and sketch out other characters, like the bartender Cynthia, who develops relationships with the workers in Bratwurst Haven. But wherever her writerly eye wanders, King explores fundamental issues related to labor, capital, and solidarity. Quote, a lot of the characters have not chosen to do the work that they're doing. They're more fallen into it, unquote. King said in an interview with Boulder Weekly earlier this year, quote, and a lot of it is low wage work, but they're not necessarily people who have always worked for low wages. Something I was exploring specifically was how do people in low wage jobs support one another or not support one another? Unquote. How the Sausage Gets Made In the title story, the daughter of the factory owner decides to try her hand at starting a food truck selling sausages. She intended to call the business Bratwurst Heaven, but the sign painter mistakenly wrote Bratwurst Haven. Quote, the title is indicative of the collection in the sense that some of these people work at the sausage factory. Some of them don't. They just live in Boulder County, King says. They sometimes use work as a place to escape things, but also a place to meet new people and have a refuge, unquote. The food truck thread of the story came partially from King's own struggle trying to make it as a freelance writer after moving back to Oregon and working part-time at a library. Some of my trying to start a business type of feelings I put in the story, she says. King now works as the editorial production coordinator 
of a membership magazine for infusion nurses. The publisher of Bratwurst Haven, West Virginia University Press, tends to gravitate toward books focused on a specific place. The differences between regions is something King has thought a lot about over the years. When she moved to Colorado, she found some similarities to her upbringing in Oregon. Quote, there was something about the culture that felt like I was coming home, and I kept trying to figure out what it was because I grew up in western Oregon, and the landscape's very different on the front range, unquote, she says. To interrogate that idea, King asked herself, does being a Western American mean anything? Quote, some days I think it does, she says, some days I think it doesn't, unquote. Despite that ambivalence, King sees some key differences between Coloradans and Oregonians. In her estimation, people in Colorado are more outgoing. King pointed out that there's differences even within Boulder County, quote, which is something I explored in my collection because it's definitely not about people you would think of when you think of Boulder nowadays, unquote. The next project for King is a historical novel about a traveling women's basketball team in the 1930s, the All-American Redheads. In the meantime, she's still basking in the glow of her recent honor. Quote, it means a lot to me to win the Colorado Book Award, King says. I'm a harsh critic of myself, of my own work, and other people's work. To know other people who are harsh critics thought it was good, that means so much to me. And to have it represent Colorado and the people I got to know in my time there, that means a lot too." Unquote. On the page, Bratwurst Haven by Rachel King is available now via West Virginia University Press. Entertainment Stage Punching Out Workplace tragic comedy, Reptile Logic, Slithers on Stage at Vintage Theater by Tony Tresca, August 3, 2023. It was a labor dispute that first sparked the idea for the award-winning new play from Denver-based writer Max Wexler, Matt Wexler. While he was attending school at the University of Colorado in the early 2000s, Wexler worked at a corporate big-box warehouse store in a nearby town where he witnessed the coordinated harassment of a co-worker who dared to inquire about unionizing. Quote, she asked the question innocently enough, but for the next two months before she was forced to quit, I saw her get harassed, bullied, joked on, and management changed her schedule, he says. I knew a story was there, I just didn't know how to write it yet." Unquote. Wexler was troubled by the episode, which would stick with him over the next two decades. It wasn't until the height of the pandemic in 2020, when the playwright had time off from teaching stand-up at the Denver Improv, that he decided to revisit the experience. The result would become Reptile Logic, a corporate dismemberment which had its world premiere performance on July 28 at Aurora's Vintage Theater. Quote, 
It took me about six months to write the first draft of Reptile Logic, unquote, Wexler says of the play running through August 13. Quote, the fact that this is a play makes it different from writing movies or TV scripts. You still need some resources, but they are not as vast as in those projects. With plays, you can produce them yourself with a team you trust, unquote. Since penning the script for Reptile Logic, billed as an, quote, exploitative tragedy wrapped in the veil of a workplace comedy, unquote, Wexler's work has received writing awards from Script Awards Los Angeles, Oxford Scripts, and a number of other organizations across the country. Quote, the subject matter is important and becomes more relevant every day, unquote, says director and producer Mike Langworthy. Quote, Reptile Logic deals with how corporate America is increasingly squeezing the individual and what that does to people's psyches. There are three different levels of employees in the play. Each one finds themselves in extremis because of an industrial accident that causes a work stoppage, threatening the livelihoods of all three characters in the play." Unquote. Animalistic Survival When a faceless megacorporation is confronted with a list of demands from its employees, the plant manager, Mike Stevens, played by Colin Martin, and his obedient assistant, Iris, played by Corrine Landy, go to war with an ex-con spokeswoman, Jackie, played by Jin Walker. The idea behind the play's title, Reptile Logic, A Corporate Dismemberment, is that our work environments frequently transform decent, logical people into reptilian-like creatures fighting for survival. Quote, I want audiences to think about the positions that businesses put employees in. Wexler says, when you mess with people's jobs, you revert them to a sense of animalistic survival. Seeing people act like animals is a little bit funny, but it's also pretty alarming that this has become normalized behavior in the office. Reptile logic may not be as glamorous as the new Transformers or Barbie, but this real-life workplace story is still important." Unquote. To give local audiences the opportunity to see this nationally recognized production first with a Colorado-centric cast and crew, Wexler is renting the Bond Trimmel Theater from Vintage and producing the play through his company, the Wounded Cobra Theater. The Denver creative team behind Reptile Logic includes director-producer Langworthy, writer-producer Wexler, producer KQ, and production stage manager assistant director Rachel Lassard. Quote, when I was putting together a crew, I thought about who I trust around town, Wexler says. I knew Mike from stand-up circles in Denver and was struck by his comedy and extensive career as a writer. We met at a booth at Sam's Number 3, and I asked him if he wanted to direct this. After reading the script, he said yes. Mike brought KQ on the project, who puts us in touch with tech people, and suggested we look into booking space at Vintage Theater, unquote. 
Langworthy was struck by the play's contemporary themes as organized union workers in various industries strike for better working conditions. He compares the writing style to that of Eugene O'Neill and Arthur Miller. Quote, As I read Reptile Logic, it seemed to tap into the great American playwriting tradition of portraying the underbelly of modern society, Langworthy says. Quote, It strips away the sophistication that many plays put on in order to portray working class people in complex relationships in a very direct way. Unquote. On stage, Reptile Logic, a corporate dismemberment by the Wounded Cobra Theater, Fridays and Saturdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sundays at 2.30 p.m. through August 13 at the Vintage Theater, 1468 Dayton Street in Aurora. For more information and ticket purchase, visit vintagetheater.org, V-I-N-T-A-G-E-T-H-E-A, TRE.org. Cuisine Nibbles. This is the last part of the Salad Gets Schooled article I started reading last week by John Lendorf, July 27, 2023. The Flex Farm is not just another educational tool, the mobile hydroponic system can grow a significant amount of food, averaging 25 pounds of lettuce every 28 days, year-round. Quote, For a school, it can offset the cost of sourcing greens from a food service distributor because it can grow popular salad bar items for less than a dollar a pound, unquote, Beret says. This is especially important in the winter when school districts can face a 20 to 50% price premium to buy leafy greens. Flex farms are not inexpensive, clocking in at just under $5,000. But there are ways to offset the investment, according to Beret. Quote, Many of our partners, especially teachers, look for grants outside of their school or organization to fund the purchase. School nutrition programs are funded out of the school meals budget, so it's a little easier. They're seeing a return on that investment within two years because the farm is so efficient, unquote, she says. Here on the front range, Administrators at Jefferson County Public Schools are running a pilot program with a Flex Farms unit. According to Beth Wallace, Jeffco's Executive Director of Food and Nutrition Services, the 150 school region is exploring how the hydroponic system, quote, may be used in a large school district, unquote. The first harvest from Jeffco's Flex Farm was sent to a, quote, handful of sites, unquote, operating a summer food service program, which provides free breakfast, lunch, snacks, and dinner to youth in Colorado all summer long. Quote, Lettuces that were used in our salad recipes, and students also tested a caprice-type appetizer with the basil that was grown, unquote, Wallace says. While Jeffco students aren't currently getting hands-on learning with the Flex Farm, Wallace says part of the project's focus is to understand, quote, 
any learning experiences that might be coordinated with the pilot, unquote. Quote, for the coming year, Wallace says, we plan to continue this as a pilot for investigating possible processes for growing the greens and how to distribute them safely to sites, unquote. Although hydroponic systems look high-tech, there is a misconception that the process is complicated and time-consuming. Quote, it's actually simple and pretty straightforward, Beret says. Typically, someone needs to spend about 20 minutes a week checking water pH and nutrients, maybe a total of two to three hours a month, unquote. Every flex farm comes with enough seeds for about three months of planting, plus the nutrients needed to make that farm run. The company offers a wide range of greens and vegetable seeds, according to Beret. Fork Farms maintains a digital portal providing resources, tools, and an online community that helps customers learn how to use its flex farm system and deal with problems like insects. There are also K-12 teaching materials for classroom programming connected to agriculture, history, climate change, STEM-focused technology, health, and economics. Indoor hydroponic farms also answer a seasonal problem with outdoor gardens. Quote, what we find with soil gardens is a timing challenge, Beret says, with the calendar alignment of the school year, kids miss the peak time when they get to harvest and enjoy the bounty from their work, unquote. Flex farms were initially adopted mainly by elementary and middle schools, but there is now a lot of interest from high schools and colleges that have a new focus on technical education and preparation for industries of the future. Supermarkets and corporate offices across the country are installing on-premise hydroponic vertical farms to produce greens. Quote, we also do work with a number of hunger relief nonprofits, homeless shelters, and food banks to create a consistent source of greens, which is sometimes a big hurdle, unquote, Beret says. Very few flex farms have gone into private homes, but Beret is testing one out at her house. Quote, you absolutely can install a flex farm in your home, but you have to remember that it does grow up to 25 to 30 pounds of food per month. That's a lot of lettuce, unquote, she says. Because the greens are organic and picked as needed, they tend to stay fresh longer. Quote, when you buy kale at the supermarket, it may have been picked a week earlier and shipped by truck from California, Beret says. The greens I grow at my house stay fresh. Even weeks later, the romaine has that crunch we love, unquote. This story contains additional reporting by Caitlin Rocket. Cuisine Nibbles Prime Produce Time your 2023 Guide to Boulder County's Roadside Farm Stands by John Lendorf, August 3, 2023. Immersive is the style du jour from Denver's psychedelic Meow Wolf or Beguiling Van Gogh exhibit to the Liquid Sky music shows at Boulder's Fisk Planetarium. 
Even the Barbie movie and the reopened Casa Bonita restaurant are being billed with a ubiquitous term. For food lovers and cooks, summer and fall have always been fully engrossing experiences. If you are passionate about savoring the fleeting flavors of fresh, locally grown produce, the place to embrace the season is at a roadside farm stand. Farmers markets are convenient, but they're really just a tease for the real thing taking place every day along the dusty back roads of Boulder County. When you stop at a stand, you can see the crops growing and smell the soil, meet the farmers, and escape into the vegetable multiverse. With the prime of the harvest ahead, many stands have just reopened, including Red Wagon Farm in Lafayette and Boulder's Munson Farms. While the season is at its peak, use the following alphabetical directory to find Boulder County farm stands. Let us know what we missed, nibbles at boulderweekly.com. Aspen Moon Farm, 7927 Hygiene Road in Hygiene, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., Tuesday through Thursday. Owners Aaron Dreistat and Jason Griffith operate this certified organic farm. The Aspen Moon Stand offers an array of vegetables, plus raspberries, salad greens, flowers, popcorn, and food from local producers. The Bee Hugger Farm, 12590 Ute Highway in Longmont, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. daily. The Bee Hugger is a charming farm experience and opportunity for kids to hang out with pigs, goats, horses, a donkey, and sheep. The self-serve stand offers raw and flavored local honeys, eggs, and a you-pick sunflower field. Benevolence Orchard and Gardens, 6712 J Road, Boulder, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. daily. This farm and heirloom fruit orchard offers a self-service stand stocking fresh herbs, greens, vegetables, and fruits, as well as farm-made apple cider vinegar, raw honey, fresh mushrooms, mushroom tinctures, and pick-your-own flower bouquets. Black Cat Farm Store, 4975 J Road in Boulder, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., Wednesday through Saturday. Some of the vegetables, grains, and heirloom meats produced on Boulder's Black Cat Farm go to chef-slash-farmer Eric Skokan's Bramble and Hare restaurant. The rest is available in a year-round farm store stocked with bread, prepared frozen foods from Skokan's kitchens, as well as other locally produced foods. Don't miss the farm's late-season communal vegetable you-pick events. Boulder Lavender Farm, Arapaho Avenue at Willow Creek Drive, east of 95th Street in Boulder. This small honor system cart overlooking a very fragrant field offers lavender bouquets and products, eggs, honey, and kombucha. Buckner Family Farm, 10075 North 75th Street, Longmont. The Buckner family raises beef, pork, and lamb served at the state's top restaurants. 
About once a month, the ranch offers a meat sale for folks signed up on the farm's email list. The frozen offerings often include meat cuts as well as German, smoked, banger, and breakfast sausages, hot dogs, bacon, and chorizo. Cure Organic Farm, 7450 Valmont Road, Boulder, noon to 5 p.m. daily. Farmer Ann Cure's Busy Stand showcases certified organic vegetables, greens, and herbs, including a wide variety of heirloom tomatoes. Also on the shelves are eggs, local beef, western slope fruit, honey, and sourdough loaves. Farm Stand on 73rd Street, just north of Niwot Road. Look for the sign offering eggs, vegetables, and jam. Farm Trailer, on the southwest side of 95th Street, south of Valmont Road in Boulder. Find fresh veggies and grains here. Growing Gardens, 1630 Hawthorne Avenue, Boulder, 3.30 to 6.30 p.m. Wednesdays. This agricultural learning organization fills its farm stand with lettuce mix, hakurai turnips, local mushrooms, pasta, baked goods, and meats. Let It Be Honey and More Store, 4689 Ute Highway in Lyons, noon to 5 p.m., Wednesday through Saturday. Totally bee-focused establishment selling bulk raw honey, pollen, beeswax, candles, royal jelly, and candy. Masa Seed Foundation Farm and Gardens, 1367 75th Street in Boulder, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., Wednesday through Saturday. Masa is a unique facility featuring a repository full of locally adapted seeds, plants, and vegetables. Montgomery Homestead Farm Stand, 10286 Isabel Road, Lafayette, one half mile west of US 287. 8 a.m. to noon Saturday, 3 to 6 p.m. Wednesday. In its 160th year as a family farm, the Montgomery Homestead Farm stand offers a diversity of crops, including green beans, peppers, tomatillos, kohlrabi, cukes, eggplant, rose hips, and squash. Munson Farms, 7355 Valmont Road in Boulder. 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. daily. Generations of locals have scored countless freshly picked ears of sweet corn at Munson Farm in the late summer. The stand also offers squash, flowers, tomatoes, and western slope fruit. Off Beat Farm, near 3700 North 63rd Street in Boulder. This small, self-service roadside stand offers a limited selection of fresh vegetables and flowers. Allen Farms, 8627 North 95th Street in Longmont, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. weekdays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Saturdays. Olin Farms extends a welcoming experience, including a stand well-stocked with vegetables, greens, herbs, flowers, and an array of local food products. The stand also hosts booths from other small farms. 
Red Wagon Farm Store, 1640 Baseline Road, Lafayette, noon to 6 p.m. weekdays, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. weekends. Long a supplier of produce to notable bistros and cafes, Red Wagon is now at home in the spacious barn just west of US 287 on Lafayette's Thomas Open Space. Besides its beautiful cherry tomatoes, leeks, squash, potatoes, greens, and flowers, the store stocks foods from other local producers. Squeak and Squawk Farm, 7798 North 83rd Street, Longmont, near the Diagonal Highway, 9.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Sundays. Squeak and Squawk provides vegetables, baked goods, honey, and homemade preserves, such as plowman's pickles, southwestern corn relish, sriracha cauliflower, and pickled beets. Seventh Generation Farm, 1536 Courtesy Road, 95th Street, in Louisville. Noon to 5 p.m. Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday. Steps away from downtown Louisville, this open space farm is a rural escape featuring a small store selling meats, produce, and honey. In the fall, the farm hosts a pumpkin patch and family festival. Shadow Butte Lake Ranch, Valmont Road near 70th Street. A small self-service trailer parked by the side of the road is packed with a surprising variety of farm-grown vegetables, multicolored eggs, and preserves. Stock Market at the Yellow Barn, 9417 North Foothills Highway, US 36, in Boulder, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m., Wednesday through Sunday. Dedicated to local sustainable zero-waste products, a membership fee, similar to a CSA, is required to shop at the stand. Summer Dog Farm, 8716 Arapahoe Road in Boulder, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday. This charming stand sells folk art, vegetables, honey, and jam. Sunbeam Farm, 1005 Cherryvale Road in Boulder. This self-serve stand is stocked with fresh eggs and some greens and vegetables. Tabor Acres Farm, 3918 North 119th Street, Lafayette, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. daily except Thursdays. The 30-acre Tabor property mainly grows flowers but also supplies farm eggs and honey. Yaya Farm and Orchard 6914 Ute Highway in Longmont, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., Tuesday and Wednesday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., Thursday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., Saturday and Sunday. The varieties of heirloom apples ripen one after another as the harvest season progresses. Many are sold fresh or self-picked by visitors. Some end up at the stand's famous apple cider and donuts. Kids can visit with the many animals. Events. The Arts Hub presents Urine Town, Friday, September 15, 
7.30 p.m. Saturday, September 16, 2 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. and Sunday, September 17, 2.30 p.m. Also, Friday, September 22, 7.30 p.m. Saturday, September 23, 2 p.m. Saturday, September 23, 7.30 p.m. and Sunday, September 24, 2.30 p.m. at the Arts Hub, 420 Courtney Way, Lafayette, Colorado, 303-229-1127. Price, $15 to $28. Children, $15. Students and seniors, $18. Adults, $28. Description. In the not-too-distant future, a catastrophic water shortage has caused the government to ban private bathrooms, Citizens are forced to pay admission at public toilets regulated by the malevolent monopoly Urine Good Company, which, which asserts it's a privilege to pee, unquote. Amid the suffering, one man has had enough, but can he rally the people and lead a revolution to freedom? Can he do it while falling in love with the daughter of the evil CEO of Urine Good Company? Urinetown is a hilarious satire of capitalism, fascism, and everything in between. Can we imagine a world where we can, quote, let freedom run, unquote? Join us and be prepared to laugh as you find out. You can book tickets at artshub.booktix.com. That's B-O-O-K-T-I-X dot net. Events. Lafayette Cars and Coffee. Saturday, August 5, 2023, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. At the Flatirons Church, 355 West South Boulder Road in Lafayette. Join us for our monthly Cars and Coffee in Lafayette, Colorado, every first Saturday of the month from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., free to attend and open to the public. For the past few years, Adams Polishes has hosted Lafayette Cars and Coffee and worked closely with both Flatirons Church and Lafayette Colorado Police Department to ensure a safe and fun event for all motorheads. We are excited to be able to host this event again and see all of our neighbors and friends on a monthly basis. While you're attending Lafayette Cars and Coffee, feel free to stop by our booth to stock up on detailing products or even ask us detailing questions. Don't forget to show up early to claim your spot and get your food and coffee from the on-site vendors. Please be respectful, no reckless driving, Respect social distancing, and most importantly, have fun. Events, Pollinator Garden Tour, Saturday, August 5th, 2023, 9 a.m. to noon. Majestic View Nature Center, 7030 Garrison Street, Arvada, Colorado. Get inspired when you see how people in Arvada are transforming their yard space into pollinator-friendly habitats on a garden tour. 
pollinator garden tour maps, guided garden tours, and interactive activities for the whole family will be available at the Majestic View Nature Center from 9 a.m. to noon. Start at the Nature Center to check in before you go out to explore selected pollinator gardens across the city. Check out the Majestic View website for more information and tips and tricks to get the most out of your tour. Register online at MajesticViewNatureCenter.Arvada.org Thank you for joining us for the Boulder Weekly. My name is Eric Levine. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.